That is good. We've been studying through the book of 1 John. If you've been with us, you know that. We are in chapter 3. So if you have your Bible with you, I hope you do have a Bible with you. I say it again. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, we have extras here at the church. Mm -hmm. Just raise your hand. It's so important that you learn to look at the Bible, you know, whether it's an electronic device. I prefer paper myself, but I go back and forth. Um, Anybody need a Bible? Everybody got one. All right. Turn in your Bible to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to go through verses 11 to 18 this morning. And these verses um, (laughs) focus on the word love, which is really a fundamental aspect of our faith. I mean, I know we've all heard God is love. We hear about the love of God, but... um, I think it's very important for us to understand the kind of love God's talking about. And actually, the hardest part is actually walking it out and <laughs> Amen. the true love of God. And so let's pray um, before we begin to enter into the Word of God. Father, we just thank you for your holy written Word. We mm-hmm. ask you, Holy Spirit, you're the teacher of the church. We acknowledge you as the revealer of truth. Unveil the Word of God to us this morning, Lord, to each one of our hearts and help us to understand better the meaning of this word love that you have written in your word. Help us, Lord, then also give us grace to walk it out in our lives, Father, so that we can be a witness of you in the world and bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So let's start reading in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. Verse 11. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone, this is verse 15, anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Verse 18, dear children, let's not merely say Mm. that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. And so it's clear when we just read this little portion of scripture that love is a fundamental aspect of our faith. It's it's a reflection of our relationship to God, like how much we love God. But it's also a reflection, even says here, of the trueness of our salvation. It shows that we're children of God when we walk in the love of God. And so we, we all know that Jesus said the first commandment was what? To love Lord, God Lord, with Lord, all Lord. of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said the second commandment was like it, to love our neighbor as ourself. And so my love, your love for God, is not meant to just be expressed this way. It's like I just love God. It's man, the people just bug me. <laughs> But our love for God is also expressed through our love for people. Yes. Because God loves people. 
And guess what? Like we are his hands and feet in the earth. So we are the expre- to be the expressions of his love to the people that he loved. This is why he sent Jesus to die for the sin of the world so that we could be in relationship with him. So this is important that we understand. And so John is saying here, this love is not any kind of a new message. It's something that we heard from the beginning. And you can only imagine John being a disciple, being with Jesus mm-hmm. for three years, how much he heard about the love of God. I mean, he, John, who wrote the gospel of John, like just think about those chapters if you've read them. Most of us have in the gospel, 14, 15, 16, 17. It's filled with this, these words about God's love for us and what that means. And then our love for God and how mm-hmm. it's expressed through our obedience back to God. And then, you know, our, then, we, then Jesus says that we should have love for one another, that this is actually how the world's going to know the Father through the, through the church's love for one another. Yeah. And so this is not a love like the world uses the word love. It's really far from it. Far from it. Come on now. <laughs> I mean, because worldly love is a love that, you know, we think about romantic love or we love our dog, we love our pizza, we love a lot of things. We say we love a lot of things. <laughs> But worldly love is like based on something that makes you feel good. I love this because, oh, it makes me feel so Uh good. So it kind of turns in on yourself, you know, and it could be fickle because we all know that we can love somebody (laughs) one day and then they do something wrong to us and it's like, I don't love you anymore. And so that love is not based on, it's based on getting something for myself. But right. God's love is based in very opposite of that. It's a self-sacrificing love. Mm-hmm. That's what the word uh, love used in the Bible, in the Greek. There are several words used, but the word is agape. We've probably heard that word before. It's a love that I give to benefit you. Whether or not you really give me anything back, I'm not really looking for a payback. I'm just looking to do something to benefit you, to show love towards you. And we really have to look at Jesus's life to get it. I mean, look at his humility. Look what he did, being God. Lay aside his privileges as God, coming to a broken, sinful earth, to undeserving people, hanging on a cross for the sin of the world, sin that he, he didn't commit a sin. But he took the penalty for sin. That's a self-sacrificing love. Amen. And it's not an easy kind of love to walk out. When you begin to understand what God's asking of us as children of God, to love like he loved, it's like, this gets hard. Yeah. And the disciples, I think we can take heart, like thinking, we think of the 12 disciples, oh, they, they were just, they got it. They didn't get it at first. John himself, who's called the apostle of love, he didn't get it at first. (laughs) I mean, remember the sons of thunder? That's James and John. This is the John we're talking about, who wanted to call fire down on the Samaritans because he felt like they weren't being hospitable to Jesus who was passing through. It's like, what? You're going to treat Jesus this way? It's like, do you want us to call fire down and destroy him, Lord? <laughs> Jesus is like rebuked him, like, you don't know what spirit you're even on. Exactly. So he, Jesus was going to explain a whole different way that we would look at people, look at undeserving people, and how we would deal with them. The, the, the apostles, John and James, probably, you know, were... Because they're with Jesus, they recognize this as the Son of God, and uh, you know that must make us prophets or, or apostles or something pretty cool. Yeah, and so they wanted the to try to imitate Elijah. 
Do you remember Elijah when he called fire down on uh, King Ahaziah's uh, commanders? Three times the captain of 50 went to get him because the king wanted to see him. Oh, man of God, get down here. The king wants to see you. And he goes, well, if I'm the man of God, let fire come down and consume you and your 50. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Second guy comes and does the same thing. Same thing happens. Finally, the other guy gets it. His, man of God, have mercy on me and my guys. <laughs> but this is what they were thinking because at times this is how the prophets of old, God actually had them deal with rebellion against him, against God, yeah. sometimes in this very way. Now, Elijah had, just because kids were making fun that he was bald, Elijah got some bears and they ate all those kids. So you gotta, this is why it, for them to yeah. have to learn this love took a lot of stuff. It, it, Jesus himself was declaring in uh, the Beatitudes about the highest reality of this coming kingdom it's love. Yeah, it's like the new covenant. The new covenant. It's love. The highest and best is the love of God, this agape love. And so when John and James were hearing this, again, like Pastor Manny said, they didn't get it at the beginning at all. They had to be corrected. They had to have their egos dealt with, just like you and I. We're learning this kind of love. You know, Jesus in the Beatitudes, he says, hey, you've heard it said. Now, this is old covenant. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. That's why John said, let's call fire down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Jesus says, but I tell you, turn the other cheek. Yeah, he says, you've heard it say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemy and bless those who persecute you. That's how you're going to prove your children of God. And see the radical difference? So the whole paradigm of that day and age and even the pharisaical religion is being turned upside down by Jesus. He says, why do you love those who love you? The tax collectors do that. Yeah, that's the easy part. Yeah, love those who love me. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's no problem. But we're talking about this agape love. And John is trying to put this into our heart, this, this agape love. This was a huge teaching because it really turned the Old Testament upside down. And we find as we understand the kingdom we live in, it is an upside down kingdom. Amen? Yeah. And so this 12 disciples had to learn step by step for three years being with Jesus and Jesus kind enough and God the Father kind enough with us to correct us, to reveal to us. Mm, that's, that was, you might have sounded right, but you had a bad attitude in that. <laughs> and so this is how God is trying to develop this love within us for sure because it's important for us to walk in the things that the kingdom presents as valuable even the disciples were like arguing who's the greatest. Who's the greatest? And Jesus said, what are you guys talking about? And everybody gets real quiet. <laughs> Even at the Last Supper, they're arguing about who's greatest. So they're still learning this love walk that you and I are invited to live out ourselves. 
It's the new covenant. Yeah. And it's, it's the person who goes the lowest. Like Jesus is like, well, you want to be great? He didn't like say, well, that's a, cra- that's a bad goal. It's like, it's a, you want to be great? It's a good goal. Go low. Here's how you get there. Be the best servant of other people you can be. Like, he says the last are going to be first in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it took a lot of patience. Think about it for Jesus on his part to help them learn to walk out this understanding. Over and over again, he's dealing with their pride and ego, just like he'll deal with it with us. Yeah. Like over and over again, it's like, like you said, check that attitude, check that motivation. Why you want to do or, or how, why, how you say what you said or did mm-hmm. what you did. And so to begin really to understand how to walk this out like agape love, you really have to meditate. You have to read these stories and think about Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. But think about what he did. He was a man who yeah. he became like us. So he had feelings like us. I mean, just think of the humility and patience of dealing with fallen, oh. sinful, you know, ignorant human <laughs> beings, really, in comparison to him, who knows everything. He walked around knowing everything, and people scoffed at him. It's like, as though saying, what do you know? You know, he never just said, like, you know, just stepped out there and just like a computer spot out, of, I could tell you how I formed everybody. No, he didn't. He just, right. in humility... You know, really allowed the Father to do his work through him. Yeah. I mean, in Romans 5, 8, if we remember, it says that when we were all dead in our sin, he chose to love us. So we were unworthy. We were dead in our sin. Mm-hmm. And he still looked at us and said, I want you. And I'm going to do something to benefit you in love so that you can be with me. Yeah. Now that's love. You know, he didn't condemn us as a bunch of losers. <laughs> Thank God. But he died on a cross to give us eternal life. And so we're called, okay, to love one another like he loved us. Right. And, you know, we read through this scripture. I put it back on PowerPoint, verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So this is the kind of love he's talking about. Then it says, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Oh, let's just think about what that's saying. Yeah. I mean, that's deep. It's t- deep commitment. Yeah. Something we pass off real easy. So my love for God is meant to manifest in how I show, especially love, mm-hmm. and my commitment to my brothers and sisters in Christ, to people in the church. This is why, this is why the church is like this, this crucible. It's this place where God brings us all together as a family, and he works his work in us. Yes. We rub elbows with each other. We have to learn to get along with each other, forgive each other, encourage one another, pray for one another. It isn't a place that we just come and go and get what we need and go. We are meant to commit and then, I mean, what does it mean to lay your life down for your brother or sister in Christ? I think if we were over in a third world country, we can understand, well, I might die for you like someone who's Muslim or you're in China. But here in America, what does it mean to lay our mm-hmm. life down? And that we should love one another. It's a sacrificial love, obviously. Right. It's not this warm, fuzzy feeling because you're not going to have a warm, fuzzy feeling. Oh, I just want to do this. I love. No, sometimes it's going to infringe on your time yep. and what you want to do. It's going to infringe on your resources. Like these scriptures were saying, if you have money and you see another in need and you just go, 
I hope somebody helps him. Yikes. <laughs> it's like what the book of James says, you know, well, I'll just go well and be fed and, you know. I, I, you know, we could think I could just be doing something else to benefit myself. Hmm. But, I, but this kind of sacrificial love takes action to help benefit somebody else. And there's actually, you know, you, it's like, well, what are, you do get a satisfaction and fulfillment from it. Something. Anybody who's learned to walk in the love of God to any measure would say, there is this inner satisfaction yes. and fulfillment that I get from giving. It's like the Proverbs that said, I think it's, I wrote it down, Proverbs 11. He who waters others will be watered himself. Good scripture. I mean, human beings, we're just more naturally self-focused. The flesh, it's just easy yeah. to want to deal with our flesh, how I feel, you know, me, what about me, how will it benefit me, what's in it for me. We think the more that people serve us and we get what we want, we get what we want, the happier we'll be. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of billionaires that aren't happy. But it, and it actually yeah. makes you more and more, the more you want that and expect that, it, it just turns you into more and more of a selfish person. Yep, yep. And nothing's just quite good enough then. Do it a little bit better. You get picky, yeah. you get cranky, you know? It's like, well, I, that was good before, but make it better now. Mm -hmm. it, it really, and the happiest people, this has been studied out in secular psychology, the happiest people are the people who are in community with other people and giving and sharing yes. their life with other people, giving themselves. They tell you that. If you want to get out of a depression mental, emotional anguish, get out of yourself. Like, forget yeah. about yourself for a little bit. We're wired this way by God. This is why it works. Because Jesus did the same thing. There's this inner satisfaction. Yeah. Like, it's more blessed, Jesus said, to give than to receive. I mean, it's nice to receive. We all want to receive sometimes. But we cannot have our, the paradigm of our life just, right. what about me? What can right. I get out of this? And Jesus said, if you cling to your life, like if your there first you concern is always, again, about me, yourself, you're never going to find yourself or true life. He tells us this because he says it's by forgetting about mm -hmm. ourselves and looking to him. That's when you're going to actually find yourself who you are. You're going to find true life. So serving, like serving others to benefit others, helping others who are in need, which is an action of love, you know, is one of the best medicines yes. for your depression and mental anguish that people go through. Mm -hmm. And John the Baptist, I think about when John, when John the Baptist was beheaded. And yeah, when, you know, John the Baptist he, was Jesus' cousin. They were close. Yeah, it had to be like emotionally traumatic for, yes. for that to happen. Like, again, think about Jesus as a man. Fully, he's fully God, but fully man. I mean, he could have been, he, you know, devastated, just like hurt, deeply hurt by it. He could have, he, and then mad at, at Herod for actually executing John. You know, the Bible does say that he was going to go away to a lonely place. And so that's what they were, that was the object. That was the, where they were going to go. 
And you have to, when you have something traumatic like this happen, you have to kind of set yourself back. You have to kind of roll it over. You have to allow some healing go on in your life. So, you know, you need to get away by yourself and kind of recalibrate yourself. But Jesus, as he's going away because of the devastation of the news that he heard from uh, the disciples of John, well, he, everybody saw where he was going. So they all ran ahead and got there before him. And what did he do? He, he didn't say, you guys, I can't handle this right now. I got to deal with myself. Don't you know that my cousin was just killed? I can't handle with it. Just give me some time. No, what did he do? He looked, he had compassion on the people because they were hurting. It was like they were lost sheep. And so the Bible declares in that very story that he healed those who needed healing. And then that's the same story where he fed 5,000 people. Yeah. You know, again, you need time to recover from stuff like this. But you, if you stay in that isolation, what grows in that isolation? Self-pity. Self-pity starts yeah. to grow. And then what do you want to do? You don't want to be around anybody else. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, this self-pity just grabs hold of you. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? Everybody who's close to you at that point, you start to pull them down into a rabbit hole of this very same yeah. thing. Yeah. What was the solution? <laughs> you know, the solution is... You know, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them and he went and he healed them. He was looking what could benefit them. Mm -hmm. He was, in a sense, losing his life to gain life. And this is exactly what he did. It's really amazing. And this is, this is what we have to do. We have to understand that even in the midst of our own pain, it can take us. But what we've got to do is say, you know what? And this helps me. Is, and I have a great example of this. Is my sister. Uh, she has ALS, and it's a horrible disease. And you just you walk around dying in, in a quick way. And I got angry. I'm angry. But she texts me and just says, hey, if I, I've had a great life. I mean, no worries. And when she was doing that, I said, will you pray for me? <laughs> I need help because I'm angry. <laughs> but that's it. You know, you get out of yourself and you look to others. That's called agape love. What's going to benefit you? How can I help you? Yeah, I, you I mean, give your life away. So you can gain true life. Yeah, that helping, serving, thinking about others in the midst of your own pain. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, life is just filled with a lot of, we don't stay on this high. Most of the time, we're dealing with something. And, you yeah. know, if we wait, well, wait till everything's done and I'm not dealing with anything, <laughs> then I'll help you. It's like, well, guess what? <laughs> You'll be, you know, 90 years old by then. And, but helping and serving other people in the midst of your own pain has a way of relieving it. It's the paradox of it. Rewires your you, brain. You're rewiring your brain to Very feel good. hope again. Yeah. God is, God's wired us this way. I, I, I put this up on the, as a quote. Someone said this quote. I had it in the back of my Bible and I thought about it. So I wrote it in here. 
and they thought this was so good that an inoculation is made from the infection, like a vaccine, you know, but they make it from the actual infection. An antidote is produced from the venom. Mm-hmm. So let the sting of your life pain be used to bring healing to others. That's good. It's good. So whatever you've been, you know, the pain in your life, the sting of your life, let God turn it around and use that to work healing the way an antidote came from the venom itself, the sting of the snake. Mm-hmm. You know, otherwise I become a victim. And there's a lot of victim mentality out there in the culture this, these days. It's almost you like owe me. Victims Look are how heroes. I was treated. Yeah. I've been treated unfairly. Why does this happen to me? And things ever go right for me. I never get a break. It's this victim thinking. And then again, it leads to, look what you have and what I don't have. And mm-hmm. so there's this jealousy and envy that starts to build. And then the hatred comes and it can get murderous even. I mean, this is where John uses the example in what we read today about Cain and Abel. Yeah. yeah. To highlight the relationship between hatred and just an envy and how this can grow in us if we don't deal with it the right way. Even a spirit of murder. So turn, turn, we don't have this on the PowerPoint. Turn yeah, if you Genesis, would to Genesis 4. 4. We're just going to look at that verse real quick. That story about Cain and Abel. I want to make two points out of that. Genesis chapter 4, 3 through 10. Love to hear those pages turn. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord, the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and for his offering had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain told Abel, his brother, And it came about when they were in a field that Cain rose up against Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother? Where's Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Then he said, what have you done? The voice of the blood of your brother is crying to me from the ground. Couple points I want to make in this. So that gives us an understanding about verse 13 because at verse 13 in 1 John it says, don't be surprised that the world hates you. It doesn't seem to fit in what he's talking about, but it fits very well. First point I want to make is that Cain brought an offering according to his own standard. He wanted to do it his way. Cain knew about the animal sacrifice because God actually taught Adam and Eve about blood sacrifice after he slew the animal and clothed them because Adam and Eve tried to clothe themselves with fig leaves 
That was their own yeah. offering for it. But uh, here, what happened is, compare that to Abel's offering. It was the blood sacrifice. It says it was the first fruit, the firstborn of his flock. It says he gave him the fat portions of it. Cain offered according to what he wanted to offer. And the first fruits is what God is pleased with. The first fruit in Old Testament and New Testament is the tithe. You follow this through. You look and read, study it out. It's the tithe. That's what God, just like the, we believe here at the, this church, that it is very clear in Scripture that God is calling us to tithe. Amen. And to tell you the truth, if you study it all out, you don't actually give anything until you give something above your tithe. That's when you become a giver. It's the tenth, a 10% of all your increase. But I think many in the church are like Cain. They give whatever they want or feel whatever it's okay. But you know, the key in this story is which is God pleased with? He's, he's pleased with Abel's first fruits offering. You know, look in verse three, it does say that in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Abel brought the first born mm -hmm. of his flock. So an offering different from first fruits. Totally. Totally. So there is a distinction there. Cain gets upset with God because his offering wasn't regarded. And he gets so upset, he, he tricks his brother and calls him out in a field and he murders him. He murders him. And just like what it says there in First John that Cain's deeds were evil, Abel's were righteous. It says, verse 12 in First John chapter 3 says, We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain was doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. Verse 13 so don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. The world will hate you because their deeds are evil. And yours are righteous. People who are following Christ are trying to live a godly life. We're, we're walking in holiness. We're walking in righteousness. And you understand that there's a supernatural reality that when we do that, what happens is those people who are outside the covenant will see you and they will feel guilty. They will feel condemned. And they'll blame you. They'll blame you. Because they don't want to change. But yet there's a spiritual reality. That's the Holy Spirit. He's convicting them of sin. And what he's doing that, just the same way he did with us, he convicts us of sin so that we would recognize we need a Savior. Mm -hmm. yeah. The only way to get out from underneath that condemnation is Jesus Christ. Yeah. But the world doesn't want to change. That's why he says, don't be surprised if the world hates you. Jesus said there's coming a time that the whole world will hate us because of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it's not because you're a nincompoop or I'm a nincompoop. It's because we walk in righteousness. Yeah. They don't like it because it convicts them. Yeah. And so how are they going to relieve it? We'll get rid of you, just like what Cain did. Mm -hmm. If I get rid of you, then I'm not feeling guilty anymore. If I blame you, 
It's like Adam. It's that woman you gave me, Lord. He blamed God too in that, you know. It's that woman you gave me. I'm looking pretty good at that. (laughs) But see, this is why the world will hate us. Because we have a standard. They have no standard. And their standard, the cultural standard right now, can change day to day. Yeah. Because they have no standard. Right. And we can stay steady in what we believe. Yeah. We're on the solid rock. Yeah. We are on the solid rock. like people have, people will say, oh, the church is just full of judgmental people. How many heard people. that? How many heard that? Uh, you're just, yeah. I mean, of course you're going to get a, some judgmental people in the church, but it's not really true as a universal statement. The Correct. church is full of judgmental people. For the same reason what Pastor Steve is saying. You know, their, our desire for righteousness and obeying God has a way of revealing their Lack of desire yes. and disobedience and rebellion against God. And like Pastor C was saying, you, their heart condemns them. And so it's easier to just say, you make me feel this way. And then the church has been made to feel like, oh, I didn't mean to make you yeah. feel guilty. See, that the church failed in and that. And so we church. started to hide in our faith. Oh, I won't say anything if you feel guilty about it, hasn't it? And the church has hidden in that for yeah. a long time. And we could see where it's brought the church. Oh, people say, oh, you just think you're holier than thou. Like, you're so morally better How many than heard everybody that? else. Yeah. It's like, no, I don't think that. I'm just doing my best to love God and be a child of God. And I've been forgiven of my yeah. sins, so I'm happy. <laughs> so the world wants to blame you for feeling guilty for their sin. And just say, oh, you know, again, oh, I'm so sorry. And we've just shut up then. Yeah, that's which is right? wrong. Over the, over the years, I think the church's attempt not to seem judgmental to people in a work setting, in your neighborhood. So we just avoid all of that subject. We don't want anybody to feel guilty because you could almost tell in your own self, they're going to feel guilty if I say this. Haven't you noticed the warfare? That's, that's, that's spiritual warfare happening. It's really like the spirit of Christ in you and the spirit of Antichrist in the world yes. clashing right there. These are supernatural truths. And they're and, unavoidable. Yeah, they're unavoidable. And so the Holy Spirit's job, it tells us in John 16 in the Gospel of John, mm-hmm. he's, the reve- he's come into the world to bring revelation about sin and righteousness and judgment. So it's like if we don't, if we, we get afraid to go there or just be the people that represent some of that, then this is the problem with the church. The church wants to just stay hidden and hold hands with everybody and say, we're all <laughs> children of God and we accept everything. I'm and, a compromiser you know, is what they're saying. Sing kumbaya together. But look at, but, <laughs> go to John chapter 3 verse 36. This is a reality. This, is, this will help you stand strong during these moments that other people are blaming you or calling you out. You're holy. You just think you're holier than I am. I said, this, is, this is the reality of it. John chapter 3, verse 36. And this is unavoidable. As long as you're breathing air and are on this planet, this is going to happen. Because you're carrying around God himself. Yeah. 
The Holy Spirit is in you. And what is the Holy Spirit's ministry? Convict the world of sin. So he's doing it through you. You don't even have to say anything. Just walk in truth. This is the truth. He says, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. And he who does not obey the Son shall not see life. Listen, but the wrath of God abides on him. They're walking around with the wrath of God on them. And when you're standing in front of them, that wrath manifests in a way that God is wooing them to come to him. Yeah. 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 They can smell it. Corinthians, you're an odor of life to those who are believing, and you're an odor of death to those who do not believe. Yeah, that's right. So this is this part and parcel with who you are in Christ. Yeah. So when they say that the church is full of judgmental people, it's a lie. It's to shut you up. It's for you to back down. It's a spiritual battle happening right then and there. And it's just like what Pastor Mason, no, I'm not, I don't think I'm better than you. I just, I know that my sins are forgiven because of Jesus Christ. And I'm doing my best to walk in love because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And And so that's what I'm doing. You You can can do it too. Yeah, you can do it too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so don't be surprised, it says, dear brothers and sisters, you if see, the world hates you. Yeah. Because all who live a godly life, is that in Peter, Tim, Peter or Timothy? No, uh, you know, in Second Christ Timothy. will suffer Second persecution. Timothy. Yeah. Second Timothy. I mean, we can be thankful. Like it's the spirit of Christ. We're going to read some of that in the upcoming chapter about, uh, again, the greater one who's in us. Greater who, is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Yes. So we can stand confident. It's not a prideful confidence. It's just confident knowing what... We see this bigger picture of what God is doing in and through our life. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to 1 John 3. We're going to... Yeah, pick it up at verse yeah. 14. It's good to run through that Bible, isn't it? Yeah. It's good to learn where things are in there. You're going to be able to help other people quicker. In verse 14, it says, If you love your... Our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates his brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that no murderer has eternal life within him. He shows that, again, love is a key distinction as a true believer. And love's not just a theory or an idea. It's actually tangible. Love is practical and we can see it. This is really important for us. I mean, you can claim a lot of things about what you believe and how much you love Jesus. But in truth, like just in John 14, 15, Jesus really says, show me. Because yeah. he says, if you love me, you'll obey me. Yeah. So it is practical. It is tangible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And again, this love that we're talking about, this love that John learned, remember, he wanted to call fire down and destroy a whole town. But he learned this love. It is self-sacrificing. It's for the welfare and the good of other people. And then he goes, you ought to lay your lives down for your brothers and sisters. 
You know what that means? It means lay your life down for your church. For your church. You ever think of it that way? Because you think about, oh, I laid my life down for my brothers and sisters. Oh, sure, I'd do that. No, but then you start to think about it. It says, lay your life down for your brothers and sisters means you lay your life down for your church. You know, you're the church. Not that this building isn't yeah. a church. This is kind the of the church yeah. meets in this building. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but think about it. Lay my life. You know, we're in America again, like Pastor Mamie said earlier. We're not in China where we're going to be killed if they catch us. And you might be the guy that I'll run slower so everybody else can get away and they'll just get me. Or you might be in Nigeria. Well, they're burning down villages and churches with people in it. But again, what, what, what is, how do we show our loves for our brothers and sisters here at Community Life Church? Well, one way you do it is to be known and to know others means you, you spend extra time. You care about them. You find out, hey, how's your life going? What's going on here? You know, is there something I could pray for you about? You know? You, that means your focus, your interest is in somebody else, not just, all right, did I get what I needed? You know, worship wasn't that good. I'm going to, you know. Worship wasn't for you. Worship was for God. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus showed us to lay down his life for the benefit of others. You know, do you, do you tangible way to, to show love, a practical way, are you praying for the pastors that, that we bring fresh manna to you, fresh insight and wisdom from the word of God so that you're strengthened in your inner man, that you can actually prepare yourself in case you are tortured, you do not deny Christ. I mean, this is really what we're trying to put in you, that you have the strength to go through torture and not give up on life in Christ. We're not trying to tickle your fancy. Church is not a popularity contest. This is like... Hey, we're down to the bones here, man. We got to get it. And times are coming where the church is extremely valuable to and should be to us. Uh, like I say, those people in China, and people in Nigeria. This is your lifeline because the whole world is going to hate us. And we don't want to be, you know. Do you spend the extra time at church with people? Don't just run out, you know, find out, hey, man, I haven't seen you for a while. Where have you been? Or, oh, I haven't seen so-and-so for a while. I mean, uh, maybe I should give him a call and just say, where are you? If I don't have his number, you know what? I'm going to pray for him until he comes back and then smack him one. <laughs> In love? In love. <laughs> I am sure that those disciples busted each other up pretty good around that fire. <laughs> I'm positive of it. <laughs> if you don't get it, 
check from like in a hip check in hockey, then you don't know, does that person really love me or not? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Guys only. Wait, you don't do that to girls. Only, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought Paul said, give everyone a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> no, give everybody a punch in the shoulder. <laughs> I mean, do you support the church with your... I mean, we just got a roof on. You know, we're getting 32 windows. I don't have that in my pocket, folks. You know what? I don't have that in my pocket. You don't have that in your pocket. But together we can. Yeah. That's the, everybody, you know, it's not equal gifts, it's equal sacrifice is really what it is. That's why God said 10%. 10% for somebody could only be $100. 10% from somebody else could be $250. 10%, it's 10%, it's the first fruits. I'm showing my love to God with an offering. It's the truth. You're my source, Lord. Money is not my source. It's not. You know, we say that we trust God with our eternal life, but we don't give him any money for the local church. It's like, check up on that. What's up with that? This this love is practical. It's tangible. You know... (laughs) It's important that we express love to one another and you do it by sacrificing yourself, sacrificing my time. You know, the pirates aren't worth watching. (laughs) So don't go home to watch the ball game. (laughs) Say, hey, what are you doing? You don't want to go out to lunch? There's a start, isn't it? I mean, we need to show each other that we love one another and we're willing to give up our life for one another serving serving somewhere there's a lot of places to serve in the church even to just say well where would i start well you could always just come and ask is there any place pastor that you need some help well come on the answer is yes (laughs) (laughs) it's always yes Even if you're doing something that everybody else is doing, the answer is always yes, yes because yes. he who waters will be watered himself. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get out of yourself and start serving, then there's something supernatural that happens. Absolutely. I can't yeah. explain it, but it's the life of God coming in you. And it's actually, Jesus is pleased with you because he's saying, they're on their road to becoming great in the kingdom. Amen. Thank you, Cindy. <laughs> Thank you, Cindy. <laughs> so another facet of this agape love is that, you know, we show this love not just to the people around us that are like us or that, that we like to be that's around, really that we good. just naturally get along with. Again, that's easy to do. But it's, it's for everybody, regardless like a person's background or idiosyncrasies. Or, you know, color of skin. Yeah, I mean, and so this especially like for the brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, people come into the church, just like in your family. How many of you have a perfect family? You've never disagreed. There's no unforgiveness. It's just wonderful. 
Well, guess what? It'll be, you're going to have the same kind of dynamics eventually happen in a local group of people, local church. You get right. all kind of backgrounds yeah. and yeah. baggage and, you know, strengths and weaknesses. And this is where we get our love tested. And, you That's know, right. we will be hurt by people in the church. <gasps> we will be. You're going <laughs> now to you be. probably have been. It's because you're going to get hurt by people at work. Yeah. You're going to get hurt by people in your family. Are you breathing air? Yeah. You're going to get yeah. hurt by people. Yeah. And so this issue of forgiveness enters into how do we walk in love when we have to deal with forgiveness? Because mm-hmm. so many people are stuck in unforgiveness. And unforgiveness, Jesus said, warned us about it. If you don't forgive, your heavenly father cannot forgive you. That should be one enough scripture to go, I got to deal with this. That that would be scary. You know, the windows of heaven kind of close over you, if you will. And it hinders your spiritual walk with God. It Mm -hmm. hinders your growth with God. It will hinder your relationships with other people. It will hinder your ability to parent well when you have this root of unforgiveness down in your soul. And it opens the door to Satan. Right. I mean, because scripture says, don't let your anger, don't go to bed, you know, still with, withholding on to your anger, or you're going to give a foothold to the devil. So, you know, we tend to think, no, you know, this person did me wrong, and we want to just hold on to that wrong and that bitterness. And we feel like we're in control, you know, and until mm. I get it my way, then it's, it's the highway for somebody, you know, Right. And it's dangerous. Yes. And I think like this, maybe some of you have heard this illustration. I think it's a great illustration. Uh, John Bevere used it. I remember in his book, The Bait of Satan, because he called this holding on the bitterness and unforgiveness like the bait. Satan's saying, take the bait. Hold on to it. Mm -hmm. And they used the illustration of how they they would trap monkeys in Southeast Asia. That hunters would put these traps in the ground, these these containers... Good, it had a lid on it. Wow. <laughs> but the container would be large at the bottom, but it would go up and be narrow at the top. And so they would dig a hole and put the container in with the narrow part, just a little bit showing over the ground. And then they would drop these pieces of fruit and tasty things that a monkey might like inside of the container. And so then it would wait. And of course, monkeys in, around would become curious, hungry, mm-hmm. go towards the container, stick their hand, arm, whatever you call it in, <laughs> grab onto that thing. But, but it was so narrow that when they'd hold their fist, they couldn't pull it out of the container. Because they wouldn't let go They of wouldn't the let food. go of the treat. Like they wanted what was in there. They, were, they grabbed hold of what was in there and just held onto it. And then it would frustrate them like they'd try to yank it out. And so they'd start screaming. And the hunters, of course, would hear it and go, aha, monkey, you know. <laughs> and of course, the monkey could have just let go of it, got away, from the trap, but they don't. And so the hunter comes, throws the net over, and the monkey is trapped. And it's a, it, I think it illustrates well what happens to us when we hold on to that bitterness and unforgiveness. Yeah. It's like, no, I won't let go. And like Satan's coming. Yeah. It's a trap. He sets the trap. It's like, no, I want this. We want revenge. Really, is why we don't want to forgive We feel like, no, you did me wrong. I want revenge. But we have to do what Jesus did. We have to learn to let go. Yes, for sure. Unclench the fist. I mean, this is what he did for us. He he paid the penalty for our sin. It says in Colossians, I put this on the screen here. Great scripture. Colossians 3.13, you know, to bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
Because the trap of the devil, you know, again, is to hold on to that grudge or that unforgiveness in there. And it actually hurting you. It's putting you in a prison. And then it puts the people right. around you in a prison. And we somehow think we're in control. And we're in a prison of our own making. <laughs> yeah. When God's just saying, just let go. Let me deal with it. Let go and forgive the way I forgave. Remember, it says that even when we were dead in our sin, yeah. Jesus forgave us. So before this person is willing to work it out with you, you could still just say, I give them to you, Lord. I let go. And so that word, even the word forgive, has this meaning of being released from a debt. Yes. So it's, it's a letting go. It's like a sending away. So he's like saying, I'm just going to act like Jesus did. I'm not going to be, I mean, we can all act like monkeys, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to hold you accountable for what you did. I'm going to give it to the Lord. I'm going to let go and let God deal with it. Yes. Let go, with the, let go and you're going to find that you're going to let go of a lot of pain and even a root of bitterness that could possibly take, take place in your life. And it says that root of bitterness will defile many. Yeah. And yeah. We, we don't want to be... Uh, we don't want to be monkeys. We don't want to be good ground to <laughs> yeah. cause a root of bitterness yeah. to grow. Yeah. At all. Uh, you know what we've read today, you know, verses 11 through 18, it, it really helps us understand that love is a foundational reality of our faith. It's not just an idea, it's not a feeling. We see that clearly. It's not a feeling, it's not an idea, but it's something that's tangible, something that brings action, something that we need to train ourselves is to start to look for how can I benefit this person? How can I help their life get better? Mm -hmm. Can I, it, it might only be praying for that person, but you know, do it. Don't just say, oh, I'll pray for you. I think we've all done it. I'm, I'll pray for you. Sometimes you have to train yourself to do it right then. Haven't you learned that? It's like I can say that, then Jason I'll say... Jason Brewer is really good at that. Just do it now so that we... If you, I'll pray. I'd say, pray with me. And he grabs my hands and starts praying right then and there. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> but the, Jesus said the world will know us by our love for one another. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a big responsibility that God is placing on his people to love one another. To give up our lives for one another. Yeah. I, I, we all know that we can do better at that. But we have to make that a priority. Love is the foremost thing in our kingdom. We're all waiting to get to heaven. We all want to get to heaven. But are we prepared for the atmosphere of heaven? Does our love walk kind of make things an easy flow into it? All of us can do better. Every single one of us. And the truth is we never arrive, but the key is, is that this is what pleases God, is if we start to love one another, we value one another, we're willing to spend our time with one another. So Heavenly Father, I'm asking you to 
write these things on our heart. Bring these things to the forefront of our mind. We want to do this. But just like your disciples, we need to be changed from sons of thunder and monkeys <laughs> to children of the living God that yes. actually practice the love walk, the agape love, the God kind of love. Yes. Your truth says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart and Lord, the times we want to define it our own selves and learn, instead of allowing you to define it for us. So we're asking you for help. We just need help, Lord. Help us. We want to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you can't really even walk in this love because this love is supernatural. And you need the Spirit of God to live this out. And Jesus showed his love to us. It says, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He paid the penalty of your sin and my sin. And Jesus is the only way to get out from under the wrath of God, under the condemnation of God. And he's offered himself to everybody who's ever lived. And he's offering himself to you today. Will you take him as your Lord and Savior? Are you willing to humble yourself and tell Jesus that you cannot do this on your own? Ask him to forgive you of your sins, wash you clean. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand high enough so that I can see it and we'll pray a prayer and something supernatural will happen. The spirit of the living God will recreate your spirit on the inside of you, your inner man. When you yield yourself to him like that, and then the Bible says all of the angels will have a party because in celebrating your salvation. Yes. Anyone at all. 